Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 293 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the Saturnian creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. I will also include back on that page and on my blog a link to Studio, the company that makes the headphones that we're doing the giveaway for here because I'm going to be giving those away on Tuesday's episode and uh, a bunch of you have already signed up for that but I don't have the headphones in my hot little hands yet so I thought I'd wait till next Tuesday but um, Studio is such an awesome on it communicative company they already sent the headphones to me and I have all the shipping information and then you get a text on your phone like they will be here at this time make sure you're home to sign for them and then I have uh, emails from them I'm actually gonna send these headphones out myself to whoever wins the contest but they are the really pretty uh, Regent white headphones with the gold hardware on them. The ones that I shared in photos a while back and the ones that I'm wearing right now to talk to you. So I will do that giveaway next Tuesday. But if you want to look at them, I'll also, I'll, I will put uh, the discount code if you want to get 15% off. If you just want to buy yourself some, use which 15 at checkout. Uh, and then I'll also... Also, also include a link to Shadow Love. I hope you got the discount for that in the last newsletter. If you're not on my newsletter yet and you want to have access to the pre-order discount, um, just sign up for my ebook. Like I say at the top of every show, that'll put you on my newsletter list. And then I will share that one more time um, before the pre-order special ends. So all that business. And... Uh, I'm here early today to talk to you because I just did a live Q&A session with the queens, with the ladies in the queen program, and I had so much fun, and I was in such a good mood that I didn't want to shut up. So I'm like, I'll just record, I'll just record today's Saturn's Day evening post early, and I might just post it early too, because why the heck not? It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day here in sunny California. It's really, it feels so perfect when it's like this it's like sunny but but not hot sunny but like just slightly breezy very comfortable early springish it feels so pretty I can't wait to get outside so that's another motivation for doing this early (laughs) so I can go outside I just had a whole brushing session too between um the Queen Q&A and talking to you, I brushed my cats, and they're so funny. I have four cats. Let me just say, too, for those of you who have never heard an episode of Hippie Witch and you're wondering what in the hell I'm doing right now, (laughs) these Saturn's Day evening post episodes, this is number nine, it's just a ramble, it's just a chat 
with my friends here who listen to the podcast. So if you're looking for something more structured (laughs) that might offer more value to a perfect stranger, check out the Tuesday episodes because the Saturn's Day ones are like this, me talking about my cats and the weather (laughs) and movies and books and massages and any old thing that pops into my head when I just sit down to talk. But anyway, I was brushing my cats. I always feel like Khaleesi, mother of dragons. I'm like Khaleesi, mother of felines, because these guys, they're so funny. They follow me around. They all sit around me and stare at me. (laughs) They're so funny. And, uh, I sometimes wonder, is that because I, they love me or is it because I am, I am the provider of the food? I am the keeper of the food. I don't really know. Maybe it's a combination. But something I do that just cracks me up is I'll get the brush and I'll just sit down and hold the brush up and they come running and they get in line. They wait in line to get their hair brushed. Is that the cutest thing ever? <laughs> It's so cute. Even Steve. Steve is like the wild card. He is not, he's the only one that's not like cuddly and he has, uh, he's got his, he's got his issues, but he loves to get his hair brushed. Even Steve. (laughs) So I don't know. Something about that just makes me laugh. Uh, Another thing that makes me laugh is how much time I wasted on the last video I posted. I posted it on Wednesday, I think, and it's one I had been meaning to post for days, and I wanted to put, it's it's one of the Magic on the Go videos, It's, it's the third one in the Magic on the Go series which I love and I think is going very well. I think you all are liking it too. So I'm happy about that. Those are really fun to make. And that one was too, except for this one part. I was fully determined that I would include a clip of Eartha Kitt in the very beginning because the spell, it's a self-love spell that I designed that was inspired by Eartha Kitt. And it was inspired by this interview that she did. She's so sassy. She's so sassy <laughs> where she was talking about she wants she wants someone to love her. She loves herself and she wants someone to enjoy that with her in essence. Like she wants she wants somebody to join her in her self-love fest. <laughs> and I think optimally that goes both ways, but she was just saying it from her perspective. And I just love how sassy she is in the clip. I suffered over that for two days at least, going back and forth, because there are these clip converter websites where you can put a YouTube video in, and they will download the video for you, which YouTube does not encourage, by the way. Uh, You're only supposed to do this for your personal use. And so there's that problem, but also malware I have done this a couple times before for my own personal use and Clip Converter actually was the website that I used and the first couple times I did it with absolutely no problems whatever whatsoever and then I did it two more times and b- both times gave my computer malware which totally sucks. It's not like a destructive violent uh violence. It's not a destructive virus that goes in and destroys your computer and 
steals anything from you. It just constantly covers your computer with all these weird ads and makes it very difficult to navigate the internet. It's it's really no fun. And getting the malware off your computer sucks too. Thankfully, uh, Apple has really good phone service. Like when you call, they'll walk you through getting the malware off your computer, which they had to do both times that happened. (laughs) So this time I spent a crazy amount of time researching a clip converter that doesn't have malware and uh, I couldn't find one. I would get excited about one and be like, this is it. And then I would find that one post that was like, it gave me malware. And I'd be like, damn it. And that happened a number of times where I found the perfect one and then I, and then I couldn't find And then I gave up because somebody left a weird comment about it. And then I just got so nervous about the whole thing altogether. <laughs> I finally just was like, you know what? I'll just record her, that little piece on my phone. And it won't be perfect, but it'll be done. And... Done is always better than perfect and not done, right? So that's what I did. I just (laughs) tried. For some reason, my hands are like super shaky when I try to... You might have noticed my vlogs are a little bit shaky. I guess I need a steady cam. So I tried to hold my hands as still as I could just for that tiny little clip and record her. I filmed my own computer (laughs) running a YouTube interview and I just did it that way and it was good enough and I was able to move on but it's funny how I get stuck sometimes like uh it reminds me of finger cuffs you know you put um Chinese finger cuffs is what I think they're called it's that little paper woven paper roll that kids play with and you put your fingers in both ends and then uh, I think maybe Chinese handcuffs, people call them too. And you pull and you pull and you pull and you can't get your fingers in and they're stuck like you're in handcuffs. And the secret is you have to relax and ease your fingers out. I think think that's such a good <laughs> analogy for life. And I got myself into like a Chinese finger cuff, handcuff situation. <laughs> and I couldn't get out <laughs> until I just relaxed and I could see another way. Like, oh, duh pull out your camera and record the damn thing. (laughs) I also really want you to know that, uh, one, Twitter's amazing, and I will continue to say that until you all are friends with me on Twitter and we can hang out there for all eternity having fun and flipping the bird at Facebook. (laughs) But I follow, I want you to know this about me because it's really important. I follow God on Twitter. I follow Jesus Christ on Twitter. And most spectacularly, I follow hunky gay Jesus on Twitter. <laughs> and I get much, much of delight out of all three. And uh, what did God say recently? God said something about, I am spiritual, not religious. And I, I retweeted that shit. I was like, me too, God. Um, crack me up. And then G- Jesus Christ and God, both, they get political sometimes. I guess hunky gay Jesus does too. <laughs> but hunky gay Jesus posted something today that I loved. It was a quote that totally resonated with a phone conversation I literally just had late last night with a friend of mine, and I was like, this is so cool. It's just like a little reinforcement of what we were talking about. But the quote is from a woman named Ruth Hermans Green. I don't know who Ruth Hermans Green is, 
but she said this. I am now convinced that children should not be subjected to the frightfulness of the Christian religion. If any Christians are listening and you're very angry at me right now, just let me say I do not think the way that Christianity is presented in all churches and all families is toxic at all. <laughs> but I do very much resonate with that that quote. Uh, I am now convinced that children should not be subjected to the frightfulness of the Christian religion. And I'll tell you why. I've told you why before, but I, but because it came back around today, I'll tell you why again. Um, I loved Jesus. So like all people that call themselves a witch, I had many, many mystical, magical experiences growing up. I, the way, um, I think we're all psychic. I think humans are naturally psychic and that it presents itself in different ways with different people. One of the ways it presents itself with me is in a knowing. So from a tiny early, early age, I could just walk into a room and know things about people and, and situations. And I had prophetic dreams and I would just have these like sort of psychedelic connected moments with nature and stuff. And for me, it was, it always came back to Jesus. I just had this ongoing back and forth relationship with Jesus. I prayed, but I also listened, if that makes sense which was not taught in my church. I think I just tapped into that energy. Jesus was introduced to me when I was little. I literally grew up in the church. My parents were the founding members of the church I grew up in. And so, I mean, I, I've been in church my entire life. And at that, well, until I stopped going. <laughs> but uh, the way it was presented to me as a very little child was like, God is good. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves the little children. It was from these very happy songs and how, how Jesus is, is love. And that all felt true. And that is what I connected to. And that is why I loved Jesus. And it was only in my later childhood like in elementary school, late elementary school, I would say, like maybe third grade on. So I'm just guessing. I can't, I don't know the exact date that it started, but third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade is when it all like really was like heavy to me because it really turned and became about eternal damnation and going to hell, who's going to go to hell? And I, so many questions I had about why. Like, what if you grew up in the forest and nobody ever told you about Jesus? Would you still go to hell? Because you had to ask Jesus to be your personal savior to go to heaven. Like, what if you never heard about Jesus? What if you were raised in China? Like, I just had a jillion, bajillion questions. Um, what if you were special needs and you didn't understand? And all of these questions I had to know. And my mom always had very creative answers about, about that. And it didn't fully, completely resonate to me with me that Jesus loved everybody, but he'd send you to hell if you didn't believe in him. That was very, or if you didn't accept him as your personal savior, that was very uh, odd to me that God would do that. And I guess God, Jesus didn't send you to hell. God sent you to hell. Um. And then hell was described in the most crazy way. Like, you can't do this to kids. I'll never forget this one pastor, youth pastor of all things, explaining to us that hell is like, 
being stabbed and lit on fire and pushed off a cliff all at the same time for all eternity. Never, 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 never ending. It was just like he tried to think of all the most horrific things, put them all together and say it's forever, never ending. Like, why? Why? Why are you doing that to children? Why did you do that to me? (laughs) And the piece that made it really, really heavy duty for me is uh was the end of the world was the apocalypse and all the talk of that and then this movie series that we had to watch uh, what was it called they recently redid it i know you're shouting it out at me right now those of you who are former christians or current christians what is it called darn it i should remember this I don't know. It, it it entered into a blank space in my mind. But it was all about the end days and then just all the different rules of the end days, basically. So God is just going to come down in a blink of an eye. You never know when it will be, so you must always be prepared, which means you need to be saved. Don't, don't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow might not come because Jesus is going to return in the blink of an eye and he's going to take all the Christians to heaven and everybody else that's left behind is super fucked. And... um But a hundred Christians will be left behind to try to guide all of the other super fucked people up to heaven. But the only way if you get left, oh, it's called Left Behind. Left Behind is the name of the damn movie (laughs) that terrorized me. (laughs) Uh, There was lots of discussion in the church about this at the time. And then we watched this movie series, Left Behind. And in the movie, you had to be beheaded to go to heaven because you were you were either going to be marked by the sign of the beast on your right hand or your forehead or they would execute you by beheading. And there's even a scene where a little child is beheaded. But but it's supposed to be a good thing because he's going to heaven. He's going to Jesus and you you hear the guillotine like slice and then you watch the little red balloon. I think it was red balloon that he was holding float up to heaven and that's supposed to mean he went to heaven and I was I really think this traumatized me. This is a very funny story when I try to retell it, but it was so not funny in the moment. Right after seeing that, my school, I grew up right across the street from Castle Elementary in Bakersfield, California. And uh, so our walk to school was basically crossing a crosswalk, and that was it. We were at school. My school was having a, uh, what are they called? Not a fair. I don't. I can't remember what. What, what did we call those? Well, words are failing me today. Um, I don't know. They had little baked goods, and you walked around. You did like cornhole and little games and stuff. <laughs> we were having one of those, and you know all the families go, and I had to go to the bathroom, and so my mom let my sister and I walk across the street to go home to use the bathroom. And when I came out of the bathroom, my sister was gone. Now, that could mean any number of things, right? She could have walked back to school. She could have been hiding with me, hiding from me because we had that kind of relationship and she would enjoy doing that and messing with me. But my mind, because I had just seen that immediately, was that, oh my God, God came back, he took all the people, and I am one of the 100 who's been left behind. Immediately. That's what I thought. I And... I was terrified. I had huge full body hot flashes, sweating, 
like waves of heat and hot flashes. I locked the door and laid on the floor, sweating and crying and sweating and crying. And then I like snapped to like, okay, oh my God, I'm going to have to get canned goods and water and all these things and go up into the hills and try to survive like all these beasts that are going to be unleashed. And um, like I was really doing this all in my head in like the fifth grade, I think I was in when this happened. And uh, so that was terrifying. And footnote to that, I just read that Jim Baker, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were like the stars of PTL, which PTL stands for Praise the Lord. That was a network we watched when we were kids. And I still to this day have a Tammy Faye Baker album of songs that I I actually enjoy reading because it's very listening to because it's very cute. (laughs) He hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. She was kind of a cute lady, despite all the crazy stuff around what they were preaching and teaching. Um, and he he got kicked out of PTL for a sex scandal, and then he got in trouble and I think went to jail for five years for fraud. But he's out. He's super agent now. He lives, uh, gosh, I want to say in Oklahoma. I don't know. He lives somewhere, and he actually has developed a congregation again, and he is selling them these... Uh, <sighs> Telling him it's the end days, the apocalypse is happening. So for like, I want to say $2,200, you can buy like seven years worth of food, like dried canned food. He's like terrorizing people still. He has not learned his lesson. He's still doing it to people to this day. So back to my story. I'm sweating, I'm shaking, I'm crying, and then I'm planning like, how am I just a kid? I can't drive a car. I don't have any money. How am I going to get canned goods and all like enough to survive on and make it up to the hills, like trying to figure all this out. And then I got the idea. I need an adult. Uh, So either I wasn't Christian enough and I was going to hell or I was one of the 100 Christians that was left behind, right? So I got the brilliant idea to run into the kitchen and get the church directory and start calling numbers in the church directory to see if any grown-ups got left behind as well. <laughs> and as I'm going through the numbers, I was like, no, because nobody was answering their phone. I called the pastor. Pastor Ed wasn't home, so that was definite validation that God had come because Pastor Ed didn't answer his phone, and I finally got a hold of this woman that I used to babysit for. (laughs) And I called her. She answered. I was completely panicked. Can you imagine getting a call from a fifth grader telling you it's the end of the world because that's what that call was? (laughs) I was like, oh, no, Jill is going to hell. Oh, my God. She's going to hell. And uh, so Jill came racing over, an adult, and come to find out my sister actually was in our big beige sexy station wagon. And she was back in the day, this is the 80s, those uh, we had automatic seats where you could push the button and the seat would like go forward and go back and tilt. This was a new bit of technology, and it was still very exciting to us. So she was riding the chair in the car, <laughs> like playing with that uh, when Jill came racing up. And um, so that's kind of how that story ends. It was like embarrassing for me once everybody found out and I realized it actually it, it wasn't the end of the world, uh, but highly traumatizing in 
in the moment. Very, very traumatic. And now it is a funny tale that I tell because you can laugh at almost anything in retrospect, even when it's really awful in the moment. So (laughs) having said all that, uh, I left Christianity in my teens when my grandfather died and someone suggested to me that he may have gone to hell. And that was like finally the straw that broke the camel's back. The conversation that I was having with that friend of mine last night um, was around, you know, I mentioned that I just, I don't even have it yet. I I ordered a uh, reproduction of Leonardo da Vinci's Salvatore Mundi, which means savior of the world. It is a beautiful painting of Jesus. And um, he's holding a crystal ball. And he looks like a magic man to me in the painting. And um, so Jesus and I have slowly been making friends again. I know I've talked about this, but I'm just trying to put context here with the conversation I had last night. Uh, Because the more I go along on my witchy path, the more cool I am with Jesus. Which, And I was telling her, like, this is so ironic that Christianity took Jesus away from me And witchcraft is giving me Jesus back. Like, holy crap, is there a more heretical thing to say? I don't know, but it's the truth. (laughs) It's the truth. It's so weird. And I'm certain that my parents would hate that and my entire family. But that's my truth. And that's how it happened. And that's why when I saw that quote on on Twitter, it totally resonated with me. Because it's like, I loved Jesus until... Until all this strength, these stories and dogmas around Jesus, like, scared the crap out of me and turned me off from the whole thing. Don't throw baby Jesus out with the bathwater, is what I've learned. Because no matter how you make a connection to God, source energy, the universe, your higher self, whatever that is for you, I think... It's always there for you. You can always tap into that. And that was the first channel, the first uh, portal for me. I don't know how to put it. That was that was my connection to life force energy, God, the universe, all of that. And it's still there for me now, even after I was like, see ya. So there you go. I am now convinced that children should not be subjected to the frightfulness of the Christian religion. And then speaking of Twitter, which is where that quote came from, (laughs) one of these days I'm going to do a a video telling people how to use Twitter to get the most out of it, to avoid trolls, to like control your feed. That's what's so awesome about Twitter is you can control what you see and who you interact with. You can create the perfect bubble (laughs) for yourself. A, a bubble to play in. And then it's a super, super fun, playful, joyful experience. Um, and I want to actually, I'm totally going to um, shamelessly <laughs> say that Molly Roberts, who I know so many of you love, just endorsed Twitter. She was like, you were right. It's totally fun here um, because she's really gotten into it lately. And uh, her feed is awesome. <laughs> you You can't take the art witch out of the art witch even on social media like she's found a way to get super artsy and creative with it which is really fun um but what I was (coughs) sorry my 
My cold still lingers. Let me get a little drink. Mm. I made it through that entire queen Q&A with just a tiny little cough. So it's getting better, <laughs> but I still have my moments. Anyway, so another Twitter thing that I love that I've talked to you about already, but it's ongoing, it's still happening, is the hashtag WW Book Club, Wizarding World Book Club. It is those of us who started page one, book one of the Harry Potter series early last summer for the 20th anniversary, and now we are on book Six, book six, The Half-Blood Prince. And, um, but the last, every Friday we meet up and we talk about the chapters that we have read. And uh, so like we read four, three, four, five chapters, depending, I don't know how they, some books are bigger than others and I don't know how they work that out. But three to five chapters a week we read and then we meet on Friday and then we have a big discussion and it's super fun and interesting and it adds Many, many layers to the book, and it really has deepened my appreciation for the genius of J.K. Rowling. She was, she is so wise, and that is so embedded in the books. She knows so much about mythology and magic. I know she studied a lot of that to create the series, but then also she just has a lot of natural wisdom that comes through in the device the advice of her characters, uh, Dumbledore, a lot of the wisdom comes through Dumbledore, the headmaster. And, uh, <laughs> my favorite piece from Dumbledore recently was, uh, I'm totally just paraphrasing this. However, it has landed in my mind, but it's something like people are more likely to forgive you for saying something wrong than they are for saying something right. And I was like, whoopa, boom, that is so true. <laughs> I think that's really happening in politics right now because people have taken these super hardcore stances. Hyperpartisanship is just gone nuts and nobody wants to admit they're wrong. And people are so quick to like jam their opinions down the enemy's throat and to be like, I told you so and all of that, that we've made it even harder for someone to say, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I got duped. I was lied to. I changed my mind. Like we've made it almost impossible for people to do that by being so intense about our politics and you're wrong. And I mean, it's hard enough to say I was wrong. I was wrong. I made a bad decision. I changed my mind. Add to that all of the people that are just frothing at the mouth and waiting for you to say that so they can jump all over you and be like, I told you so. You've ruined our country. It's just like so intense. <laughs> That's what I thought of when I thought of uh, when I read Dumbledore saying that. Um, but a, a really interesting discussion came up. I think it was in the last one we did. Um, they asked a question, um, is Narcissa, I think that's how you, is that how you say her name? Is it Narcissa? It must be. What else could it be? N-A-R-C-I-S-S-A, -S 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 Narcissa. She is the mother of uh, Draco Malfoy. So this bad family the evil bad family, the, the class bully, um, elite, bigoted family. 
in the Harry Potter series. For those of you who don't know, Narcissa is the mother of this insufferable bully um, who is Malfoy, Draco Malfoy. And uh, the question was, is she a good mother? My immediate answer was, hell no, she's not a good mother. Look what she raised. <laughs> she raised a bully. Uh, they were bigots. They were bigots. And so in the wizarding world, a bigot was, they looked down on what was called, they called them mud bloods. So that was someone that didn't have pure blood and that pure wizarding blood. So they would have had one parent that was a wizard and one parent who was, was a muggle, a non-magical person, or maybe, maybe was Hermione's, both her parents are muggles. So um, you could just be a natural born witch without any lineage to it at all. And they were very looked down upon and called uh, mudbloods as a slur. That was the slur. And so she treated these um, witches that didn't have the pure blood that way and taught her son to be that. And he's awful. And she married a horrible, evil, evil, either evil mofo. <laughs> so I was like, no, she's not a good mother. But then people were arguing about it and defending her because she loved her son and she went out of her way to defend him and stand up for him. And she risked her life to protect her son. So people were saying, but she is a good mother. So I realized in reading everyone's answers that um, being a good mother all comes down, I think, to love. And what we individually believe is a valuable expression of love. And I have been thinking so much about this because I've been recording the material for the Shadow Love program. And it's about self-love and it's about really excavating the layers of shadow to get to a deeper, more, more wholesome place of self-love. And so this added a whole new thought process, not that it's included in the, sh in the shadow love audio journey, but it's just something I personally was thinking about is like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We have all have different ideas, I guess, about what makes it a good mother and how love is expressed. And that has to affect our ideas about self-love and how we treat ourselves. Um, the way we treat the ones we love is like the best we can treat ourselves and vice versa. And uh, so, yeah, that just sent me down a really interesting wormhole. What do you all think? Was she a good mother? <laughs> I compared her to Petunia, who is a muggle. Uh, there's a family. I'm going to again say this for those of you who have not read the series or seen the movies, the family that raises Harry Potter before he discovers that he's a wizard. They were very abusive and horrible. And they had a son who was an awful bully to Harry, but they adored their son and they doted on him and they'd do anything for him. And I compared Narcissa to Petunia, that mother, saying like, no, they're not good mothers. Look at the kids that they've raised. Look what, look what they did. They turned them into to these awful bullies. So that was only my perspective. And there are many perspectives. So there are people who might say Petunia was an excellent mother. So I would love to know your take on that if you have opinions. <laughs> A lot of you have been answering me on Twitter and in emails on Facebook and all that. So... Uh, that has made these Saturn's Day evening posts even 
more fun hearing from you all. And someone wrote to me this week asking me to please create lists of links for each show for all of like the books and TV shows and stuff I mentioned. And I have to say, I, I don't do show notes that way, really. Like if I have, like Studio is doing, um, they sponsored the last one. So there's a link to Studio, And, or if I'm doing a giveaway, so there's going to be a link to them, right? Uh, or if I'm doing an interview, there's always going to be a link to the person that I'm interviewing. But typically I don't do show notes the way that other podcasters do because I have a big coaching practice. I'm a writer. I have programs I'm making. And, um, you know, I do a lot of podcasts and videos and newsletters and all of that stuff. And for me, one of the things I love about podcasting is I can just hop on here and talk to you. And there's so much freedom and joy in that for me. When I start thinking about having to do it a certain way, it gives me a pressure on my chest. It takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. So all I can say to that is I totally hear you. She was saying um, English isn't her first language, and sometimes she doesn't understand what I'm saying entirely or like the spelling of something. So uh, I totally get that, and I see the value in show notes, but I'm not going to promise that I'm going to do it every episode. I will do it if I think there's something really important to share or and or if I if I have extra time and I'm in the mood kind of thing. So I'll do my best. We will see how it goes. I will say that. Um, another Harry Potter thing <laughs> that I think is worth talking about here because we talk about magic and personal development is, I mean, personal development with a touch of magic is how I describe what I do. That's what I think I do. That's what I'm here to talk about is <laughs> personal development with a touch of magic. And another conversation that came up in that Wizarding World book club, I feel like the world's biggest dork saying that, and I kind of love it. I take pride in being a nerd and being in the Wizarding World book club. <laughs> uh, but another topic that came up was, um, how do I frame this? Uh Humor in dark times, basically. And there are two aspects of the book series that this really comes out. One is these twins, Fred and George. They're always joking around and they're beyond class clowns and pranksters. Like they actually turn it into like a business where they're like selling jokes and opening a joke shop and all of this. And uh, the question was asked in the club, like, do they take... Voldemort, the big, bad, scary guy that's trying to kill everybody and take over the world, are, are they afraid of him? Because they, they, they posted uh, a poster on the wall of their joke shop, basically making fun of the whole damn thing because um, everybody was terrified and all of these posters were, that were put up all over the city were warning people or the little village were warning people, you know, about... Voldemort, and they're not allowed to say his name because he's that terrifying. So they call him, you know, you know who. 
And so they put a poster up about you know poo, <laughs> which is their product that makes you know poo. <laughs> it, it makes you constipated. And so they asked the question, like, do they even take this guy, this threat seriously? Or are they afraid? And the answers were pretty universal and in resonant with my own. And it was that, yeah, of course, everybody's afraid of Voldemort, Voldemort but they... They weren't going to let that stop them from living their lives. And humor is needed in the darkest of times. It's levity. Like, we need that. And it's so true. It's so true. Uh, when you look at, like, the movies that came out during the Great Depression, you know, people were like, families were sharing a potato for dinner and wearing rags. And then these movies... Um, they used to give away dishes like you could go you could get a whole set of dishes by going to the movies and every time you went to the movies you would get a different piece you know you'd get a plate and the next time you would get a cup and people went to the movies like they barely had any money to spend on anything and but they would spend some money going to the movies where they watched people um, singing and dancing and these movies were just filled with like glamour and so much fantasy, sexy romance, lavish parties, extravagant wealth. And it's like, well, why is that? Like, why would somebody who's sharing one potato with their family for dinner then want to go to the movies and look at these people flaunting their wealth and singing and dancing and like the exact opposite of it. And it, it was because they needed that. And it gave people an escape. It gave them their dreams back and their hope for a brighter future, a brighter day. And we really, really need that. Uh, Always, I think, but especially when times feel dark and um, when a tragedy strikes, like what just happened in Florida, like that horrible school shooting, when things like that happen, and it's so awful that I can say things like that because it keeps happening. It's not like this one, you know, thing that happened once. It keeps happening, which is so scary. But when things happen like that, I'm always torn between wanting to express my condolences and feelings of empathy, which I absolutely feel deeply, and a lightness of being that says this is not who we are as a people, you know, and that whole Mr. Rogers things of look for the helpers, focus on the helpers. What consolation is that when you just lost your child suddenly to something so violent and tragic? None, I imagine, at all. It might even be hurtful or annoying. I don't know. I really can't imagine the pain of that experience. It is too horrifying to go there. And yet I feel that flash of heat that probably every single other parent feels watching an atrocity like that unfold. Um but for the rest of us, I think what I personally choose to focus on is uplifting the rest of us and saying, look for the helpers, look for the heroes, like what, don't keep posting the name of the shooter and give him the notoriety that, that he's seeking. Give the notoriety to the heroes, to the people jumping in front of the bullets or from the people who lost their lives, these beautiful, innocent kids who were just getting started, barely getting started. They weren't even out of school yet. Um, 
And, you know, I just like to kind of balance that out as best as I can. And maybe I'm horribly flawed at it. But I do believe in being a light in the darkness and focusing on things that empower people to make it through their day and not be so paralyzed by the trauma of what's happened. And I, and I definitely don't believe in like just being all love and light because action needs to be happening and hats off to the kids. I think the kids are going to save us with this one. They're all speaking out, uh, you know, amazing posts on Twitter, kids writing letters, kids giving speeches that were involved, that that went to that school, that saw their friends died, and they're like, no, screw you. If you're taking money from the NRA, uh, you suck, and you need to be ashamed of yourself. Like, they're standing up for what they think is right. The parents are. So I'm not saying be all love and light and don't do anything. Action definitely needs to happen. Thoughts and prayers are not enough, but also we do need that levity. Going back to Harry Potter, and FYI, J.K. Rowling is extremely political, and I've watched her on Twitter lose fans and infuriate people because they don't believe in her politics. But if you read Harry Potter, it's all there. Her particular stance on the world, the way she sees the world, it's fascinating to read those books now in light of what's happening politically because it's actually all in the books, all of it. So maybe this is a timeless human thing that we are just experiencing in a way that feels intense to us because it's happening to us. But if you look back through history, it's that awful sensation of history repeating itself. And it almost feels like um, J.K. Rowling was like psychic in writing these books. Some of the things that have happened, you know, if you like just superimpose that onto what's happening in society now. But I think more than that is she's just a student of history and sadly, it repeats itself, maybe not in identical ways, but in, in uh, mythological ways almost. The other piece, going back to Harry Potter, in, in which it's expressly demonstrated the way that levity is, and lightness is the remedy and the antidote to darkness is in the way that the kids that go to the magic school are taught to fight something that's called a bogart. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so a bogart is, it's just, I guess it's just like a ball of energy that they keep like in a special box and they unleash it on you for practice because each person experiences the bogart in a different way. And it will take the shape of whatever you are the most terrified of. So for one kid, it's a giant spider. For Harry, it's something called a Dementor, these awful soul-sucking creatures. Um, for one kid, it's the scariest teacher in the class. You know, it's like different. It just takes on whatever you're the most terrified of. And then the way that you defeat the Bogart in Defense Against the Dark Arts. Don't you love the name of that? Defense Against the Dark Arts class. The way you defeat the Bogart, um, the literal spell for it is ridiculous. And it's spelled a little bit different than ridiculous, but basically they yell ridiculous and wave their wand and they have to imagine something hilarious and funny and light to get rid of the Bogart while they're yelling ridiculous. And the ultimate in getting rid of the darkness, the ultimate in defense of the dark arts is to create um, something called a Patronus. 
And I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm getting super nerdy here, but it, <laughs> I hope you can follow me if you've never read the books or seen the movies. But basically, it's a special guardian creature that protects you from the darkness that can only be invoked by tapping into your happiest, most beautiful memory, which is very difficult to do when you're, when you're scared shitless, when you're like deep in the terror, like you have to be able to reach for your joy. I truly believe this is true. It's true of life. She's just demonstrating it in this modern day myth. But um, yeah, gosh, so much good stuff in there. So much wisdom. (laughs) I also, somebody posted something on a video of mine, totally changing the subject, but not, I guess. I don't know, talking about life lessons or something. It was an older video of mine. I forget which one. Not super old. What video is that? It was one quite a few back. Somebody watched it and started her comments. The bulk of the comment was relevant to the video and totally fine, like what I would normally expect. But the beginning of it was, Joanna, watch what you say about others for it may come back to you. And I was like, what? I actually didn't watch the video to see if I had said anything in it because I didn't have time to sit and do that. And I didn't really want to listen to myself in the moment, which is pretty typical for me. I don't enjoy listening to myself (laughs) or watching myself, which I have to do when I edit. But typically, I don't like to go back and watch myself. So I was like, that's weird. So I wrote her back in the comment section. and I said, um what is that regarding? Like I cut and pasted it and I was like, what is that regarding? And she never wrote me back. So I don't know what in the world, if I had said something in that particular video or if it was some comment on, I don't even know. I still right now, I have no idea what that was about. Um, But I will say that watch what you say about others because it might come back to you. That section that says it might come back to you That is not an effective warning for me. Um, And I suppose that's one of the reasons that the threefold law does not ring true for me. Um, I watch what I say about others because I don't like hurting anyone else's feelings. Um, And when I think of things like the threefold law, or, or it'll come back to you. I feel like, you know, that reminds me so much of what I was saying about hell, like fire and brimstone and people feeling the need to make sure other people behave by threatening them with them with some kind of punishment. When I actually think human beings innately are, uh, I'm not going to say there's not a darkness in us or a viciousness in us, but we know what's right or wrong. I think we have our own kind of moral compass within, uh, depending on how we were raised and how much shadow crap was put on us and programming and trauma and pain and all of that. I think, though, when we're born, when we're fresh, when we're new, when we're babies, before all that happens, we have a general sense of what's right and wrong and when we've betrayed that. And I do, too. So for me, you know, watch what you say about others is something that I already do try to do. (laughs) I am already watching myself because I don't, because I want to be kind, because I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings. But because she mentioned that and then declined to answer my question about, you know, what is this regarding? I decided to consider like, what could this be regarding? Did I say something rude about somebody? I don't know. Certainly. 
Lord knows, it could be any number of things because while my driving intention is to lift people up and to be kind, I am totally, more times than I can count, have definitely positively (laughs) put my foot in my mouth, uh, been rude, been insensitive. I am human. I am not an ascended master or a guru. I'm not even especially woke. I am just a person who loves personal development and magic. I actually love those moments too when I do catch myself betraying a value that I hold dear, like being kind. You know, when I do say something that isn't in resonant with that, like I actually enjoy those moments because they're illuminating. It illuminates shadow content or just an insensitivity that I have, or it just shows me like, oh my God, I have this value and I didn't even know. But once I betrayed it, I realized it was there. Uh, And it just shows me like, hey, yikes, I need to work on that and possibly apologize, which is I'm always willing to do, always Uh, as my close friends will attest. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, there's pure gold in that that is how I learn what my values are in the first place sometimes and how I've learned that I value kindness is in the times I have not been kind and that did not feel good. And that is actually one of the major subjects that we are going to be talking about in the Shadow Love audio journey, where you're going to explore that and like what your true values are and how your values are revealed to you. One of the things that came to mind, the only thing that I can think of recently um, was maybe what I said last week about Till Scott, because I know a lot of you are Teal, Teal Swan is what she goes by now, fans, and it I really wasn't saying anything about Teal Scott, or I wasn't trying to. Nothing I said was about her personally. It was about the energy that the interview I did with her brought my way. So um, I think what I could have done, you know, just reexamining that is not mention the way that it irritated me and I guess offended me, like flicked my ego that the man that was representing her at the time kept writing to me to find out how many views that interview got. I, it felt weird. Like, I don't know, like I was being used or objectified in some way. I can't really put my finger on why it offended me, but it bothered me. So maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that piece of it. (laughs) But again, that wasn't about Teal. I have no idea if she was involved in that at all. It could have been just that guy was super gung-ho about making sure that, you know, he was doing the best job getting her message out there. I don't know. Um, But just to clarify, I took that interview down or I set it to private, not because I am anti-Teal. I'm neither. I'm not like a Teal fan and I'm not one of the people that are uh, hating her. I took it down because of the excessive amount. This is an interview I did years ago, years ago. And I still get like novel length emails and big ass long comments of people 
a lot of people love her, and I know a lot of my listeners do because they tell me that they love her. But I get even more than that. People, there's like almost a cult build up around hating her. And um, I think some people have their legitimate reasons, and then other people have made it like a real focal point of their life. Like they've devoted websites to outing her as, I don't know, some nefarious, ill-intentioned being that has infiltrated the New Age community. And um, I just haven't gone down that rabbit hole enough to know what any of them are talking about. And I it's just too intense for me to be getting those emails in my inbox. <laughs> I don't want that. It reminds me of what I don't enjoy about social media, like kind of the outrage addiction and people are so call out culture is changing our world right now. The Me Too movement is so vital and is changing everything. I think the millennial generation specifically is upsetting the apple cart in a way that is necessary. But I also think that there are some residual effects to where people are kind of getting this strange charge off it. And some people are kind of getting into this like outrage addiction thing. And they're spending a lot of their time online, like jumping on the outrage of the day. I try very hard to avoid that. I don't enjoy it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. And I don't want to be a part of that. So to have that showing up in my personal space and in my inbox, I that it just had to go. So that's what that was about. So I apologize to those of you who love Teal Swan and may have taken offense to that. It was nothing to do with her whatsoever. It was just about some of the energy that I was getting off of that still. And I have been for years. I've thought about taking it down for years. And uh, so it just felt good to finally do that. And so I was sharing that with you. It was like a boundary I set with myself to make myself um, feel a little bit more free and empowered. So that is that. Shadow Love, if all goes well, will probably be released on the 22nd for those of you who have pre-ordered, who are using the little discount code that I shared in the newsletter. I will do that one more time because I've, I have seen that a whole bunch of you has, have signed up since. Like there was a wave of you probably because I said the discount would be given to my newsletter subscribers. So for those of you who have signed up after the fact, I want to make sure you get the discount too if you're interested in it. So I will wait a couple days and then I will send another newsletter out so everybody can take advantage of that. Who wants to? (sighs) And that's that. I'm going to enjoy the rest of this sunny day. I hope you all are having an awesome weekend. Much love to you. Peace.